Hello, Rahadi. Hi, Kathy. How are you? Oh, I'm well, thank you. There we go. Uh, I've got you on the line now. So this week, of course, we're going to be focusing on uh, the central supplier database and also just looking at uh, some of the compliance issues that um, companies are often faced with when it comes to their ability then, which reduces their ability rather to be able to do work with the state. Let's talk about the central supplier database. What is it? Um, the central supplier database is the first point of market analysis um, for us to determine if we will have a response from the market. Should we put out a tender, uh, possibly to check if we have suppliers that are going to respond to our request. So what we did in 2015, um, there was one of the priorities from the SONA to really reduce the cost of doing business for suppliers when they transact the government. So we introduced the central supplier database as well as the e-tenders portal. So the CSD, what it does, it gives control of administrative compliance to suppliers. So instead of um, suppliers photocopying similar documents to submit uh, to different organizations, every time they want to respond to an RFQ or a tender, we centralize all those requirements under the central supplier database, which is then we verify their ID numbers, their tax details, their banking details, as well as the company registration, amongst others. So the suppliers began um, controlling, holding their profiles and making sure they make sure that, that um, they are compliant throughout um, the process. And this was followed by the e-tenders portal, wherein we advertise all the tenders online so suppliers can check the tenders online and determine whether they want to participate in that tender. If they do, they can download the tender because the requirement is that when you advertise the tender, you must upload the, the uh, tender documents as well. And also on the e-tenders portal, what they can access is the procurement plans that we spoke about last week. Um, that is the future opportunities that are coming that will either translate to competitive bidding um, that suppliers need to be on the lookout for. How does one gain access to this database? How do I basically qualify to be one of the companies that can be on this database? Any any supplier, any business that wants to transact with government that has a tax compliance uh, registered with parts and also have a company registration in the banking account, they can register themselves on the system. And once all the verification is done, then they will be legible for, for transacting with government. So it's open for all, all businesses. Mm. You have noted here that you have been experiencing a decline when it comes to compliance matters uh, for small businesses that are registered on CDS, uh, CSD. Rather. <laughs> what are some of those challenges? Um, the challenges that we have seen is um, the incompletion of the registrations on, on the CST. Um, for instance, at the moment, we're sitting with um, across the country for all the suppliers that we can transact with. We're sitting with 987,000 that are fully registered, that they have the MAAA number that is the reference that suppliers get after completing their registration on the CST. So from that 987,000, um, 48% of those are non-compliant on the tax side, meaning that we can't transfer with them altogether. So we left with, with um, 47% that we can transfer with, and the 5% 
some of them are international um, companies, some of them have registered, but they don't have a star um, reference number. So uh, at the moment, we, we, we are not spoiled for choice, and the pool has gotten smaller in terms of the suppliers that we can transact with. And, and one of the things that we have picked up with the suppliers when, when they do register is that um, they struggle with, with the banking details because if you, you put a name as trading as on the CSC and then when you open a bank account, you put the original name of the company. When the system t- starts um, verifying the information, that information doesn't match, so it's going to reject the banking account. However, we can still transact with the supplier if at all they have their tax compliance. The other thing is that um, suppliers will really capture the information and update it and not click the submit button, meaning they're not giving the system permission to start verifying the information that they have changed. So as a result, it remains um, dormant on the system until they come back to click the submit button, and then the system will start verifying the information, and then we'll know whether they're compliant or not. Are there common tax compliance issues that you pick up uh, across the board that can also help uh, some of our listeners today in terms of knowing where to look, where uh, perhaps, you know, it involves their businesses, etc.? So what are the more common um, issues that would result in perhaps somebody not being, being seen as not being compliant where it relates to their tax? On, on our side, through, through the CSC as well as the instructions that we have issued, uh, we're using two, two methods to verify um, the tax compliance. Um, just in case the CSC is not updated overnight, we, we, we ask the suppliers to provide with a PIN code that they get from SARS. Then we can log on to the SARS um, e-finding and check their compliance status. So we use those two, two, two options to make sure that if the one is down, then we can we can use the pin the pin number two to verify on the e filing to make sure that they are compliant and they are not disadvantaged. But the one thing is that um, SARS is now is now working on what we call the tax status. Um, you are no longer evaluated annually like like some of us. So if you owe SARS and you are given a date wherein you need to pay in that date. When that date lapses, your status is going to automatically change to, to non-compliance. So it is important that they deal with the issues that they have with SARS on the tax matters to make sure that their, their um, tax status is compliant. And also, through our discussion note, we are saying that if the supplier still has disputes with SARS, we give them seven days after they have submitted their, their proposal to go and get maybe confirmation from SARS that there's this dispute, but the person is still compliant so that we can include them in the pool that we're going to be evaluating. So we give them the seven working days, that is with the five working days and the two maybe in the coming week for them to sort out or get um, some correspondence from SARS that this is the issue. It will take longer than the seven days to, to conclude. However, the person has been compliant, so we can transact with that person. Mm. I want to talk about the kind of services that are often registered on CSD. And ultimately, you know, uh, I'm going to be coming to this issue of of the misalignment that that again has been identified between what is registered on CSD versus, you know, what some of the objectives or policy direction that government's work may be heading in. But first, let's talk about how the process of services and items that are listed there, how does that work? 
Um, the most of the suppliers they, they, they can choose as many commodities as they want. However, most what we have seen with, with, with the registration of commodities, we find that the suppliers are more saturated in the low value commodities where the, the, the overheads are not that high. Um, you order your stationery, they go and order and come and deliver. But that has an in, had an impact on them, especially um, which which might have influenced the tax compliance as well. Because during uh, 2020 and 2021, when we were working from home, most of the commodities like your catering, your, your stationery, and your cleaning services, those low value commodities, we were, they were not in demand. We were not ordering them anymore. So the, the, the revenue had gone down. So what we are saying is that right now we are going into 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 the financial year, and there are new targets, there are new priorities. They need to align themselves with that. And when we talk about the method of procurement in, in the coming weeks, um, there is what we call transversal contract. One would think um, a face shield is, is a very common item that you can buy anyway. However, when you want to supply to, to government, it needs to meet certain um, standards. And as a result, we couldn't even appoint a supplier who meets those requirements to provide government with, with those ratios. So there is that misalignment. Suppliers are in the low-value commodities, and we are, we are, we are um, procuring high-value commodities where we want them to manufacture certain commodities so that we start buying locally. But we, we don't have it. And when we are at home, those items that they used to supply, we no longer procuring. So it impacts on their revenue as well, as well as their compliance. I, I think, you know, it in 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 any situation it's good to be able to have a business that's um versatile that let's say like you're saying when you don't need stationery they can perhaps step in you know to look at what are some of the services that are most in need of but when we look at what has happened in this country at the height of the covid-19 pandemic is that you would have panel beaters that are supplying masks and and sanitizers to to government and and that has been you know that has been identified as a red flag so as the as as the national treasury where do you draw the line when you say you know to suppliers please look at what it is that we need and try and respond to those needs and and understand where the call is coming from and then the reality of what that sometimes look like looks like when it comes to a procurement processes that that again you have agencies that have never provided uh, some services before that are now being given contracts of millions of rand uh, to 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 supply things that they're not even accredited for. The thing is, um, it starts with with when you register your company, uh, you indicate which 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 sector you're going to be. Um, playing in or trading in, and and what we have seen during at the beginning of of the lockdown, most of the, the companies, as, as DTI reported, um, they were deregistering um, their companies and registering again under the health sector uh, um, to provide what was required during during COVID nineteen. But what they missed is that most of the commodities that we require during COVID, they had to be tested. They had to have those certificates from SAFRA. They had those certificates from SANAS to make sure that whatever you give or supply to government is not going to cause more harm to the health workers, for instance. Um, so when they do that, um, it tends to be 
uh, they tend to cross over into, into another environment through the Competition Commission, which is the area that, that they will be dealt with. Um, if you look at the SIU report now that some of them supplied uh, commodities without proper um, certificates to do that. So they need to, to, to place themselves in a sector where they know if this one, this particular commodity is no longer in demand, I can um, change the, 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 the equipment that I have to produce something else. And it's something that you plan ahead. It's not something that you can do haphazardly when things change. For instance, um, one wouldn't have thought that at some point we'll be asking for, we will be, the same stresses will be in demand to produce the facial mask. They thought they can never trade with something that by the time we were looking for them, when they wanted to register on this CSE, most of them were non-compliant because their tax matters were not compliant. So they need to be ready all the time um, because when things change, we tend to go for commodities that we never thought we are going to be um, mm-hmm. needing or they're going to be in demand at some point. We continue the conversation with Rahadi Mozedo, who is uh, the Chief Director, Stakeholders and Client Management at National Treasury. And this week we're looking at government's central uh, database system, the CSD, which is where a lot of companies would be registered. What are some of the challenges that uh, exist with the system? But most importantly, uh, you know, the declining numbers of companies that are on that system. If you've interacted with these services before, if you have a business that is registered on CSD, I'd really love to hear what your experience is. And just from the some of the issues that Rahadi is raising can you relate with what is being said here whether it's around compliance issues um the the registered commodities as they describe it but these are really the services and items that are needed in government versus what is being provided uh, i'll be taking your calls on 011-714-2006 on the whatsapp line 0614-104-107 and on twitter it's at sfm radio the hashtag there sfm talking point um, before we go to the latest headlines i'll take the calls after the headlines but before we do that uh, rahadi i just wanted to ask you okay um in terms of these these services again that you've spoken about that you have uh, lots of people registered in the low commodities uh, sector so which which are the sectors that you find actually need more people to be operating in um it's a lot wide range of, of commodities actually mm. uh we, we we struggle to get um suppliers in in um commodities such as your Courier services, you, you don't have a lot of them there. And then you go to your um, industrial cleaning services, you don't have a lot. And then um, building and construction and machinery machinery and, and accessories, those are those who supply the machinery in, in the construction area. We hardly find a lot of them. So um, it, it, it's like we, we're moving in different directions. We want them to give us something and then they produce something that we can't use at the time. So as the priorities of government tend to change, they need to, to be responsive to, to, to those changes and, and provide us with what we need, not what they are producing, because we are not going to buy what they are producing. The same as you go into a grocery store, you buy what you need, not what is being sold. 
So they need to provide us with what we need. That is why we engage with them, especially now at the beginning, before the beginning of the financial year, and say, this is what we are going to be working on. Do we have suppliers who can really help us out in these areas? But when we talk to, to, to the transversal contract, you'll see that there's a huge range of commodities that suppliers can really manufacture within the country and supply to, to government at large. And this misalignment between... Um, sometimes like where government policy, where, where that's going and where the investment is going towards versus the items that are listed? Um, the thing is with, within government, um, every institution will have priority areas where they're going to be funding. Um, if it's a health institution or maybe they will find anybody who comes through to say, look, I have this product that I want to manufacture. It will help in the health sector. And there are those that are focusing on other sectors like your, your construction. Others are, are, are focusing on SMEs at large, irrespective of the sector that you are in. So it will differ based on, on, on institution in terms of which areas are they focusing on, which sector are they, are they placed in. Okay. We're going to continue this conversation. Temba, I'll kick it off with you uh, when we come back from the 11.30 news headline. The Talking Point with Kathy Motlatana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. We continue the conversation this morning. We're looking at the processes for procurement with government and we're looking specifically at the CSD system today. Uh, let me go to Rustenburg. Temba, good morning. Hi, Kathy and your guests. Mm. Um, Kathy, I've been doing business with the government for about 18 to, uh, yeah, 17 to 18 years now. That's a whole lifetime, Timber. Yes, <laughs> and I've seen, how, I've seen how things are changing with the South African government. I'm very much concerned and, and not happy. Mm. We are trying to be a first-class uh, a, a country when we are not. It is becoming more and more difficult to do business in South Africa. And I'm not surprised by the decline on the SESD, what, whatever they call it. It is a big problem. Kathy, let me tell you, if you, like, I'm considered, uh, I don't know, every month they are checking on you. Mm-hmm. If you are owing, they, uh, they, they check you out. You can submit an invoice to government. You will never be paid if you are not tax compliant. And what I've noticed, Kathy, is that they are busy uh, putting things together like CSD and SARS, uh, CIDB. If you are owing SARS, you are automatically cut off from being active on CIDB. It's more like when you are owing maintenance and you get a roadblock so the things are linked. You will have to pay or get nothing from government. Tell me now, how do we expect a person whose company is small to have a bookkeeper to check on his on his things every month? It's very difficult to do South Africa in. I mean, to do business in South Africa as South Africans. That's why there's xenophobia and all of that. Because those who are not paying tax, they are not following up on them. Mm-hmm. And those who are paying, they are hard on them. It is very, very difficult. We are being treated like we are in Switzerland, where everything is first class. When we are not, the government is very hard on South Africans. Their own South Africans. And not hard on mm-hmm. people who are not South Africans. And those who are not paying tax. Let me tell you why I'm saying that. 
before case we used to pay we used to get a tax clearance for 12 months for a whole year not now now you are being checked every month if you are owing this month you are cut you are not doing business with the state comply or get nothing for south africans only but for i mean but meaning south africans for those who are trying to comply even if you are not a south african but you are complying as long as long as they've got your details and you're not complying they cut you off but mm-hmm. to those who are not paying tax they are doing absolutely nothing allowing them to bank money under their mattresses so it's becoming more and more difficult to do business in africa so the decline on the uh, system it's because it is not easy to do business in South Africa. It's difficult. It, that system will go down, down until they notice that they are not doing something right. And Temba, t- t- tell me about you know j- your own experience. Uh, you know, doing business as you're saying with the state for a uh, close on two decades. Yeah. Are you on the CSD system right now? Um, what What is your relationship? What has been your personal experience? Having, having being on CSD, it's not a choice. It's a must. You are either there or you are out. So you can't do any business with government without CSD. Nothing. You can't be paid as a business person. CSD, I don't know, it's like an ID. If you don't have a, an, an ID, you are not a South African. So CSD is a must. Ask those who are doing business with government. It's a must. Without it, you can't do anything. So there's only two things, CSD and CIDB. The two things government created so that they monitor business uh, people in South Africa on tax compliance and other stuff. Without that, you are nothing. So if you don't have CSD, mm. you don't have CIDB, you are out. You can't do any business with government. Mm. Okay. That's what they've introduced. But yeah, um, it's very difficult to do business in South Africa, for South Africans especially. All right. Temba, thank you so much yeah. for calling in and for expressing that view. Uh, we'll give Rahadi an opportunity to respond in a moment. I just want to uh, take more of your calls. In Kempton Park, Derek, good morning. Good morning, Casey. How are you? I'm well. Thank you, Derek. I'm good. I just want to two things. Uh, first thing, it's what uh, the previous caller has raised. Uh, the issue of compliance, if, if possible, says we can extend it to a longer period because... I'll give you an example now. We we do submit our pay as you earn and all that. And if the accountant delays by only 10 days, you are out of CSD. By the time a client or somebody wants to verify your details, you are switched off. So it, it's creating that inconsistency because sometimes the delay could be that the accountant had to submit or submitted late or whatever the case. So mm-hmm. this month on month is not working. But also when you try to log into the platform, I even yesterday and Friday, the whole weekend we've been struggling. When you try to log in and you want to go to check your information, it just takes you back to login and you try to call. The number has changed. The, the, I think the uh, national number has changed to temporary number. You call the temporary number, it's not going through. No one is kind of attending to it. So I think maybe if the government wants us to kind of do business, but also be able to be um, sort of compliant, they should be compliant from their side in terms of the, how the, the office is functioning. Because so far, 
the number you can try it, I don't know, from your side also, you'll find that they would say that the number is in change, but you try to call the number because you need help. We need help so that we can comply, but unfortunately... Mm. That is not coming through. Thank you very and, much. And, 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 and once you, you are unable to get through on a, a line, is there no other recourse, Derek? Yeah, you can't. There's nothing you can do. You can't even talk to anybody. And mm-hmm. um, I don't know, Rahadi, maybe if she can go and sort it out. But yeah, um, beside the issue of uh, being uh, maybe put on hold if you owing just for one month, but the issue of the call center itself. And, and you, you go to log in to make sure that you, you want to check what is it that you're owing. You can't go through. You, you log in, but you, you just keep on being referred back to, to zero. So uh, for me, I think it, it's, it's something that has to be sorted out and, and speedily if we really want to be efficient, especially for small businesses, because this is our lifeline. And if we really want to make change and all that, we have to have some functioning um, um, platforms that we can make use of. All right. Derek, thanks for that call. Let me give Rahadi an opportunity to respond to those first two callers. I'm taking more after this. Um, thank you, Katie. Can I, can I go ahead? Yes, yes, go ahead, Rahadi. All right, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, I, I, I got a little bit confused with this Derek's question that he wanted to check on the CSD how much he owes. Um, if it is the, the text issue, he won't find the amount that he owes on the CSD. The CSD interfaces with some just to check whether they're compliant or not. So issues of how much they owe, um, why they're non-compliant on the system, is something that they need to take up with us because we still we are, we are not um, dealing with text matters. We're just dealing with the compliance status that we get through from SARS. Right, so it's something that that he needs to to sort it out with that, and on the emails as well as the CSDs, that's something that I will take up with, with my colleagues um, on the ICT side. Um, from Temba, um, the non-payment of suppliers. The reason why we have this CSD Temba is because it, it it costs a lot of money for for suppliers to go and photocopy the same amount of documents. Some of them they have to be certified. It takes a lot of money as well as time for them to be dropping in all the institutions that they want to uh, transact with. In this case, I, I understand he could be in the infrastructure side, so it isn't a lot of departments that he might have to engage with. But for suppliers who are transacting in low commodity value, um, low value commodities, there are so many departments or institutions that will have to drop the same amount of documents. So we said, look, you don't have to photocopy, you don't have to go and drop them off personally. Just we're going to pull them, all of them together on the system, verify them with the custodians of that information, your home affairs, your staff, as well as the IPC, as well as the bank. So in that way, we're reducing the cost for, for, for the emerging suppliers. Right? The issue of, of non, non-payment, right? and I want to clarify, and this is the mistake that, that um, practitioners tend to make. There is nowhere in the instruction rule that we issued in 2017 and 18 where we are saying when the supplier is, is, is non-compliant for tax, you don't pay them. We are actually saying to them, if the supplier has rendered a service and, and delivered the goods in good condition, and then their status of compliance with that changes, you still have to pay them because they need to pay us. The only time you can transact with them is if they are non-compliant before award. That's where you, that seven-day period comes in to say, go and sort out your technicians and come back. But if the service has been rendered, there is no reason for any official of government to stop the payment to a supplier. They need to pay for that service that we receive.
And what about the fact that there's this question around these tax clearance certificates and, and, and why it is that, you know, they, they have to get something on a month-to-month basis, if I understood Temba correctly, and that, you know, you can't have a clearance that is for a 12-month period? This is, on, on, on the SCM side, I'm sorry I missed that question. Um, on the SCM side, the challenge that we had was with the annual um, tax, tax clearances. Some of them would be amended and we, we only realized later on through an audit that we appointed a supplier that was not tax compliant. So I'm not sure um, this was a response to, to that challenge that we had on the SCM side that has moved from the tax um, compliance certificate that runs for 12 months, that remains valid for 12 months, to a, stay, to a tax status. That one, I, I'm not sure that was the reason. Only South can really respond to that one. Mm. But but the fact that it's being raised as, as, as mm-hmm. a key issue that is affecting, you know, businesses and their ability to, to do work with the state, is it something that you can look into further for us? And we can pick up on it next week because I know that the series mm-hmm. is on uh, for the next couple of weeks so so that at least there's uh, a lot more clarity around what informed that decision and if there is any possibility mm-hmm. of that being relooked. Okay, no, I'll do it. All right. We're going to continue the conversation with Rahadi NJ Asanda. I'll be kicking it off uh, with you. Of course, you can also uh, dial in on 011-714-2006. That's the phone line on the WhatsApp line 0614-104-107. For unskippable, no-click baiting, and cookie-free... With lots of real followers and likes, place your sales campaign on SAFM. Radio is still the best place to advertise your business at affordable rates. SAFM, with its national footprint and top personalities, offer advertisers distinctive opportunities to reach their target audience. Email sales at safm.co.za. SAFM, the influencer you can trust. The Talking Point with Kathy Mosasana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. All right, I'm still taking more of your calls. Rahadi Mozeto is the Chief Director, Stakeholders and Clients Management at National Treasury. We're talking about the CSD system uh, that those who are service providers for government have to interact with. You heard Temba saying there that if you're not on CSD, you're effectively locking yourself out when it comes to doing work with the state. NJ, you're calling us from Cape Town. Good morning. Good morning, good morning, Katie and your guest, Rahadi. Mm. You know, I, I want to just uh, applaud and compl- uh, compliment the, the, the initiative of the e-tender system. Because for a micro-enterprise, you can imagine how, how frustrating it can be to always plow through newspapers and circulars looking for, for small opportunities in your own township or community, you know, like a catering for some in Bezo, you understand, because, you know, not every business is big, big, you know. The only issue that I I would wish the state would also look at is that when when it comes to the issue of BE, when we go to the e-tender system, 
we always find these big tenders. I've never found a tender in the region of 10,000, you know, that can match uh, a small guy, man, you know, uh, that is just uh, a catering guy. And on top of that, there's this rule of the exempted micro-enterprises by the DTI, which essentially means that if you are white and you are, for whatever reason, maybe privileged and, and, and you have the catering equipment, I mean, as a, a new startup or catering black guy, I don't get any benefit or recognition against you because both of us fall under the threshold of below 500,000 turnover. So I don't get any 10 points or you know 20 points as the case is with big business, like when Mutipe competes with KPMG, uh, but KPMG has no B, he will get some extra points. Mm-hmm. So for me, I feel like, you know what, our, our thinking is always at a very large scale when we talk about issues of BE and we don't really look at it at a very, very small scale. Like, you know, if I just want to supply that tea and coffee to to the police station in my neighborhood, you understand? Mm. So I, I think that the e-tenders system is wonderful for micro enterprises because you can see those tenders with your smartphone without uh, paying uh, a lot of money. So on the one hand, I think they're doing a great, uh, like they're making great steps forward. But I think this one, I know maybe a guest Rahali might not be the one in in position of this because this is now another issue of DTI versus SARS versus this. But mm-hmm. I thought maybe I should highlight it because she's there. Maybe she knows a, a friend in the industry. I mean, in the you know the, one of their stakeholders that can can look at this this kind of challenge for for small guys like us. All right, all right, NJ. Thanks for raising that issue. Let me go to Polokwane Asanda. Good morning. Morning, Casey, uh, and your guest, Rasadi. Good morning. Uh, I've, 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 I've got, you know, few issues. Um, Asanda, can, can, them... can you limit it to two issues, please? Okay, mm. uh, it's fine. Uh, number one, Casey, I'm, I'm based in Pulukwan. I've been on a CSD system for the past five or six years. I've got three companies which are operating in three different industries. All three of them are compliant, but I can hardly get an RF2. I, I, can, I can hardly get an RF2. So how, how does Rahadi explain that? That is number one. Number two, um, the issue of fraud and corruption, where our information, our company... Details are actually paraded by foreigners. We get, you know, fake orders, fake RFQs with company information on those documents. How do they get a hold of our information? How do they get a hold of our data as small businesses? Our information and our data is exposed by this CLP system. Mm. And lastly, how did a company which supplies uh, PPE uh, 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 got a tender worth 100 million. This company was not even registered in the CFD. So, so, so we, there is a system in place, but it doesn't seem as if it's benefiting the majority. So, so some of the issues that Arahadi mentioned now, that a reason why small businesses don't get um, 
uh, to be called to do business with the state is simply because of non-compliance, uh, wrong service, uh, wrong uh, list of commodities, wrong this, wrong that. But myself, most probably I'm, I'm only getting an RF2 once a year, and this has been happening for the past six years. Can I can I please get a clarity on 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 those issues? Okay. All right, Asande. Thanks for raising that that point. And I think ultimately, Asande is, is saying, you know, the the rules that we are working hard to comply with, that we're working mm-hmm. hard to be part of. But there are others who seem to not obey the rules, and yet they benefit from from that too. Mpo in Soweto. Mm-hmm. Good morning. Hello, Mpo. <phone rings> All right, I don't know what happened there. It looks like we've lost Mpo. Rahadi, let me give you a chance to respond. Okay. All right, um, let me start with um, the last caller from Pulukwani. Asanda. Um, yes. Um, what we have done on, on this CSC, because we have had this complaint that suppliers are on the CSC for some time and they never receive any RFQs. What we have done on the CSC is that when we issue RFQs from all um, institutions of government that are on the CSC, that are using the CSC to select suppliers, is that when you search for, for suppliers, the first time you ask for 10 using the commodity that you want you want uh, suppliers in, um, it will give you a random list of suppliers, uh, 10 suppliers, right? And you send that request to, to that 10. And then thereafter, if that 10 doesn't re- respond and then you go and search again for another 10, it will give you a new 10, um, new, new, totally new 10, a list of 10 suppliers that you can approach now, meaning that the first 10 that you had previously will not be reflected again on your second search. So um, the CSD now gives you random list. You no longer choose your own suppliers as you please. However, um, when it comes to, to issues of, of scams and, and all that, um, personally, I, I'm very mindful of, of sharing my, my business card because when you give somebody your business card, um, you have your, your email, you have your cell phone, you have all that information, and people can do whatever they want with that information. I, for one, sitting in, in, in the office as an entry of government, I do get this request as well, irrespective of whether I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm trading with government or not. So it, it's just a prevalent thing that is happening. However, what we're saying to suppliers, please, please, just make sure that you remember what you have registered on the CSC under your commodities. And again, as government, when we when we ask you to quote, we don't give you um, the, the the value of, of, of the or the budget that we have for that commodity. And also, we don't tell you where to source that particular commodity. We don't brand it. Um, what we focus on is where the functionality of that commodity. If we say we want a photocopier. We will indicate the elements such as capacity, how many pages can the machine um, photocopy in a minute, the color, the cost of the tools, and all those kinds of things. We don't prescribe, we don't brand, we don't provide photos. So those are the things that are the elements or the indicators that they need to look at when they receive those those fake RFQs. And they are going to continue because we're heading into Easter. What they need to know, we don't supply or deliver our commodities to any church. So they need to be very familiar with the environment that they are trading in. What are the things? Where do they source? Because usually they will tell you, this is what we're looking for. However, you can go and source it at at this company. You pay that company and that company tells you, don't worry, we're going to deliver it to wherever you want it delivered. Before you know it, your money is gone. 
So they need to be very familiar with, with this, um, how we do business, how we structure our RFQ, right? And um, for MJ, MJ, the, the e-tenders portal is only for competitive bids. Um, if anything above one million, that will be advertised competitively in the public for anybody to participate. So if you're talking about um, 10,000 rands for RFQs, it will be below one million. We have tried to... Um, um, activate um, what we call emails to, to suppliers within, let's say, you are sitting in a particular province or municipality, and as a treasury, we're looking for um, a supplier who can supply us with, with paper that is uh, below one million. What, what the CSE will do, will generate, will send the CSE to all the suppliers that can supply us with, with that um, paper. But now the, the um, suppliers are complaining that they're flooded with these emails and we had to stop them. So um, he needs to know that at the moment we have increased the threshold of, of RSQs from uh, 30,000 30, to 1 million. At least it, 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 it's more as compared to 500,000. However, when it comes to any competitive bid on the e-tenders portal, he's more than welcome to participate. All right. Unless I ask me something, I'm the way you can do that. No, I, I think that that covers um, the the huge chunk of, of, of questions that were asked. Let me take Mpo in Soweto. We lost him earlier. He's back okay. on the line. Mpo, good morning. Hello, Mpo. Hi, Katie. Yes. Hi, Katie. Can you hear me? Yes, you're live on the radio, Mpo. Go for it. Ah, uh, great. Thank you. Uh, hi, uh, Rahadi and uh, radio. <coughs> SAFM listeners. Yeah, just two issues I thought I'd raise very brief and quick, uh, Katie. I think one, I want to refute this thing, Yaori, the <coughs> uh, CSD is actually only for, uh, you know, it, it's a mechanism, to supply government with. Uh, commodities. Mm. <clears throat> uh, I'm in the health sector, and there is what we call Section 21. That's coordinated the Department of Health. Section 21. Uh, it's mainly designed uh, like the economy structure of the economy of this country. Uh, it was never designed to uh, empower, uh, as some of the callers have mentioned earlier, uh, locals, especially Africans in particular. Section <clears throat> um, 1, uh, you can check it. Suppliers for Section 1, you don't need tax clearance. You don't need to be on CSD. It's up like international companies who would supply bulk products into the country. Um, number two, I thought I would just make a commentary about the policy, the preferential, <coughs> preferential policy framework act. Procurement Framework Act, year 2000, which the DG announced very recently that Section 5 has been repealed, 
that whole section is the one that talks about 30% uh, that was set aside for black companies. <clears throat> now the issue here is uh, black companies have been in and out of offices of the of Treasury and other government departments to say, why are you not implementing triple PSA as is? We would be told that there is no... Hello, Mpo? Afri Forum. Yes? To go. So that's why I'm saying uh, Treasury was never uh, the intention and the objective was never there to empower Budaki. Uh, and I think Rahadi needs to accept it uh, to say that Okay. They are the beneficiary, yeah, the bulk, yeah, government procurement. In probability, the tender pronouns. We will not remember the tender pronouns. Thank right. you. All right. Mpo, I hear the point that that you have made, and I think uh, a number of issues that you have raised there for Rahadi to respond to. Rahadi, I'm going to do this. We're completely out of time. Uh, but yes. we are continuing with the session next week. So I'm going to give a chance, perhaps. We're meeting on the 4th again. Uh, next week is Human Rights Day. Oh, next week is Human Rights Day. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so my only challenge is that maybe what we can do is that we can uh, kick it off with you tomorrow morning, just to give you a chance to respond to some of the issues that um, have been raised uh, by Mpode, because we certainly don't have time uh, to do it today, so that uh, at least we give you adequate opportunity to respond uh, to this idea that even the, the the system that has been implemented has not been uh, for the benefit of of black people. So, Rahadi Mutseto, Chief Director, Stakeholders and Client Management at National Treasury. We will continue the conversation very briefly uh, tomorrow when we kick off the talking point. That's where we leave it for today. Always a pleasure. For now, it's the update at noon.